0: This is the Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze.
1: Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining the Sue Freeze Show. You know, when I'm thinking about what we're going to talk about, I'm always asking the Lord. You know, what's the lesson that you want me to learn today and or this week and whatnot, and. And always during my week, I'm always like on the lookout for a lesson that I'm personally learning that, that God is teaching me. And, uh, you know, is this, is this worthy of a radio show? Is this worthy of time spent? Because I'm an intentional person and I'm a maximizer. So I like to maximize my time and, and I really want to be responsible or uh, aware of your time. And uh, when you tune in, I'm hoping and praying that the message that God wants to work through me uh, is going to hit home with you so that you can be a better person, I can be a better person, and hopefully I'm being a blessing to each and every person that's listening right now because I want to follow God's will and God's work. Uh, So with that being said, this last week, there's an employee that works for me, and I I don't think I'm going to mention his name, and he might be listening, and others will be listening and probably know who I'm talking about. But there's a person that works for me that left for a while and then came back. And um, there's always been this resistance. So the topic today is resist or assist. And so that's, that's the story. That's, that's the uh, title of the show is do you want to resist? Are you resisting or are you thinking and planning and desiring to assist? So if you're going to do just a, a little self-evaluation... Would you say you're more of a resistor in a situation or are you more of an assister? And I think it's so good and it's, it's totally a God thing because when I even said it to this gentleman, it was like, oh, that's so good. That is so worthy of a radio show that I'm going to use it. And so then I asked my assistant to pull some scriptures to back up what's being said here and, uh, you know, just like definitions and things like that. So we'll get into all of that. So this gentleman um, had an issue, an altercation, basically, uh, uh, insubordination a little bit. And there was, you know, it takes two to have an issue, really. Um, so there was more than one moving part in this situation. But I'm called to address each individual person for their part in, in the situation. So obviously with anything, you know, you have their story, you have their story, and then you have the real story. And I've, I found that to be there's always like two sides to every story, but there's also three stories, uh, basically. And so I always like to get all the information I can as a leader, as the person that's supposed to discipline or, you know, kind of be a mediator. It's kind of a mediator position. And so I, I go, OK, so tell me your side of the story and you tell me your side of the story. And it's usually not in the same room. And then I might pull these two people together or I might not. Because I'm going to draw the conclusion based on the stories and how closely they fit in, uh, you know, determining the outcome of what we're going to do next. So with anything in life for me, um, whether it's motherhood, parenting, um, sisterhood, uh, or being the leader or the boss, is we always have to keep our eye on the goal. We always have to have what are we trying to accomplish in this situation, and then I always have to ask, what is God trying to accomplish in the situation? This isn't anything written. I'm doing this off of the cuff, off my heart, off my head, of 60-odd years of, of experience and wisdom. Um, and, uh, and what I can say is, is that I'm always looking for that. I want to know, okay, what is the lesson, Lord, that you want me to learn here because I don't want to keep learning the same lessons over and over again. And I said that last week, too. And it's so true, me being a maximizer. I don't want to waste anybody's time, especially. I don't want to waste mine. I don't want to waste God's either. So I, w- I want to learn the lesson, and I want to learn it sooner than later. So I'm always aware. You know, search me and know me, O oh God. If there's any evil way, pluck it out. And I really want that. Because I want to be the best version of me and the best version of God that I can be. And we all have a desire. We have the desires of our heart. And we have the desires of what God has placed in our hearts. And true to me, true joy comes from being in alliance, being, being together and connected with, with those two. You know, what's, what's the desire of your heart? And usually your heart was created by God. So obviously it's the desires of his heart in you. So when I, when I asked Lydia, my assistant, who she's so helpful to pull things on uh, the words that we were were going for. Oh, I had it just backwards. That's all I did. Okay. So I'm going to start with resist because this gentleman, he tends to, whenever asked to do something or when there's a situation, there tends to be a resistance in, in this person. Now, sometimes that's just internal. Sometimes there's something else going on in their belief system or in their minds or something that's causing this person to not want to to assist, but to resist. And I'm like, at the end of our conversation of, of everything that happened, I said, you know, I really want you to do this one thing. And he goes, what's that? And I said, I want you to assist instead of resist. And I want you to focus on that to focus on how you can assist this supervisor, assist that person. He needs help. You know, he's on overload. So whatever you can do to assist this person, and less resistance, it's going to be better for both of you. You're going to learn, and he's going to be uh, thankful. So what does resist mean? Okay, I asked Lydia to look it up in the dictionary, and here's what it means. Withstand the action or effort of. Antibodies help us to resist infection. And I thought that was so appropriate for right now, right? Um, in that case, we want to resist the you know, infection, of course, and antibodies having something to protect us. Uh, a resistant substance applied as a coating to protect a surface during some process, for example, to prevent dye or glaze adhering. Uh, you know, there it's there's this protective layer. OK, so there is a resistance. It's like put the full armor of God. That's when you do want to resist. But what are you resisting? You're risking things that are negative, things that are not positive, resisting uh, maybe something that's going to hurt you. Well, that's not, you know, in the workplace, that's normally not the case, you know, it's, it's not that we shouldn't be resisting a supervisor asking to have something done or, Hey, could you help me with this? There shouldn't be resistance. It should be an assistance. So, um, resist definition of resist by uh, Webster to exert oneself. So as to counteract or defeat resisted temptation to withstand the force or effect of a material that resists heat. Resist. Okay. A resist definition to withstand, strive against, or oppose. To resist infection. Well, okay, of course we want to do that. To resist temptation. Yes, we want to do that. So there's good and bad in resist, isn't there? There's good and bad. You want to resist the devil. You want to resist the sin. But you want to assist when there's something that could be of help. So you have to distinguish what which is which. And sometimes our belief system might cause us to not be clear on what's the goal. What's the goal in this? What's the goal? So in James 4, 7, I asked Lydia to look up resist in the Bible. And in the Bible, there are 17 Bible results for resist. So in James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So that's a resist that you do need to do. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Okay, so those are, those are things when you do resist. Um, I don't think there's anything here. But if you resist and rebel, here's one in Isaiah, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God is saying, in this case, we don't want to resist, right? He doesn't want us to resist when it's things that are good for us. Okay, So, so there's good and bad and resist, and that's something that can come out of this too. But when it comes to should you assist or serve or should you resist, I would say then the choice is easy. The choice is clear, I think. Okay, so the next one, um, I pulled up this because this came to my mind, is Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so that goes for us as in the workplace, doesn't it? Or, you know, in ministry also too, for sure. Is, is that we are not working for those that are above us or that are telling us what to do or asking us to do it. We are working unto the Lord. We are doing it for the Lord, not for, for instance, me as the boss. We're not doing it for me. We are doing it for hopefully our customers because we want to serve them and give, us, give them the best experience we possibly can at Ecola, but also just in life. Don't we want to be a blessing to those we come in contact with? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Aren't we going to shine the light of the Lord to those that we come in contact with? I hope so. I think that's what we're supposed to do. So that was Bible Gateway. If you don't know about that, it's a fun thing. So then uh, we looked up assist. Bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron, the priest, to assist him, to assist him. Bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you and assist you when you and your sons minister before the tent of the covenant law. So God is telling us he wants us to assist, right? I'm trying to see if there's any scriptures here that really hit home. As for us, the Lord is our God and we have not forsaken him. The priests who serve the Lord are sons of Aaron and the Levites. Assist them. Assist. Assist. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold with goods and livestock and with valuable gifts in addition to all the farewell offerings. So, assist. Wow. Okay, so the definition for assist. Let's just go there for a second. Good. Okay, help someone typically by doing a share of the work a senior academic would assist him in his work. Doing a share of the work. I always tell people that if everybody does their share, the burden's going to be light, isn't it? But if one person calls out sick or another person just kind of like slacks off on the job, that means that that burden is going to be heavier on someone else because the job still has to get done. And isn't that true in ministry also? It's true in ministry. I mean, I used to uh, be the usher, leader of usher teams. I had 10 different usher teams uh, between Saturday night and Sunday. This was quite a while ago. And I just remember, you know, you couldn't fire them because you weren't paying them. Okay. They're volunteers. So it puts a different spin on it a little bit. So you even have to get more creative on how you deal with things and what you say and what you don't say. And what I learned during that time is expectations need to be clear for everybody. So I wrote out Here's what we're trying to do. This is what the goal, it's experience. We want to have a great experience. We want people to know where the bathroom is. We want to know the rules, you know, like uh, it's really not good to come in late. And if people come in late, they shouldn't distract the rest of everybody. So let's put them to the back. So what do we do? We have to fill up the front. So all that's left is the back. That's common sense. But not everybody thinks like that, do they? Okay, so those are just some of the simple things. Um, with the usher team that I needed to, to make clear expectation wise and in the workplace it's even more important because they're getting paid and in order for everybody to get paid or get paid more it means that everybody's gonna have to be really good at their jobs because if we're all really good at our jobs then there is more money to go around because we're gonna have more customers because they're gonna be more satisfied and it just this affects that, that affects that and affects that. And it's so true in life, it's a life lesson and it. And you know, it, a lesson that we learn doesn't only apply in one area of our lives. Just like God, he doesn't wanna be only our God on church on Sunday. God wants to be our relational God. He wants to be with us every minute of every day. He wants us to pray without ceasing, doesn't he? So. Assist, help by providing money or information. They were assisting police with their inquiries. Be present as a helper or spectator. A noun, an act of helping. Typically by providing money, the budget must have an assist from tax policies. Okay, assisting. What's another word for assisting? Well, one that comes to mind is serving, being a servant. When we assist, we're serving. And I ask my employees, there's two things that I'm required that I want you to know and I want to teach you and coach you on is one being a good servant and the other one is to be a good steward with what you're given, okay? So I'm going to take a little side note and tell you a little story that just happened on my way in today, okay? This morning I came in and I saw my bookkeeper who normally is in really early and she's driving in after me I'm on the phone with my girlfriend because I'm gonna be going to a rodeo this weekend and so she was giving me all the details and as and I see my bookkeeper come in and she's like giving this big sigh and I'm like what is going on around here but I was busy on my conversation with my girlfriend so I had to cut that off and I had to get going with work and all of a sudden I find out that there was a guy in our um, on the main street where our office is and my office staff early in the morning, they park on the street. Well, there was a guy who was trying to break in into her car. Now, she has a boot on her foot right now. She's got a problem with her foot. The service manager comes in and told her she's got to get her keys and she's got to go out and move her car. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that because she's got this boot on her. I can just imagine her moving right now. It's just kind of comical, but not really because she probably harmed her foot even more. And what is she going to do with this guy? So then they tell my son and my son goes running across the street, almost gets hit by a car trying to get this guy. And so he's kind of a detective. He truly is kind of a detective. He really is. And so he had a full description of the guy. He knew exactly what the guy was looking like, what he was wearing, all of that. And he also found the car that the guy was driving. And he went to the car and saw purses inside the car. The car was locked. He took pictures of the car. He took pictures of the purses. He took picture of the license plate that was covered over, and it really – and then he called to get a plate, a run on the plate. And then he called the police and said, this is going on right now. Thirty minutes later, the police still did not arrive. Okay, so that's the scenario so far. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that all happened before this time in the morning. And it wasn't only her car. It was another car. So there was two of my employees' cars that were getting broken in right in pure daylight – uh, in front of my office. So not, it, that does not feel very good, does it? It's like, you know, no, 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 this is not happening. But it was happening. So then my son, because someone called out sick, had to go do a job. So he left doing all of this detective work to go do a job. So then I'm getting my taxes done, and I am just called my tax people. They're at the office, and I'm going to deliver the taxes before I come into here to do the radio show. And I was going the opposite direction to drop off the taxes, but, man, does that feel good, doesn't it? When you get your taxes ready for the tax guy and you can let it go, you can just, here you go, and you just have this deep sigh of relief. So I'm a happy, happy, happy girl right now because it's, oh, my goodness. I don't know. It's just not my deal. Anyway, so I, um, I'm I'm just pull out of my parking lot and I see my son in the company truck driving on the same street and I pulled up alongside him in the street and he rolls down his window. He goes, there's the guy right there. And it was a shopping center right across the street from my office. And I'm like, you're kidding. That's him. So I immediately pull into the parking lot. What am I going to do? I don't know, but I am going to do something. He goes, look, there's a cop car right there. And I went. You're kidding me. So I I pulled behind the cop car and I went up very nicely and calmly and I knocked on the window and I said, hey, I said, that guy right there, that guy right there, he was trying to break into two of my employees' cars and my son says there's purses in his car. And the guy immediately got out of his car and I said, yeah, my son's been waiting for you for a long time and he didn't show up, but you're here now. So he gets out of the car, he gets his, his handcuffs out. And he goes up to the guy and said, get against the wall. And I'm like, oh, my word, this is happening right in front of me. He handcuffs the guy. I walk up and I said, see that man right there? That's my son. He's the one that saw everything. He can give you all the background. And I said, I got to go get to my tax guy. And so I left. And when I left, my son gives me sends me a picture on a text. And it's me uh, with the handcuffed guy and the cop. And and he put in the, the title underneath, where to go, boss. And I thought that was so funny. Uh, not the best picture of me, but that's okay. I was just happy that. And so then I text that picture to my bookkeeper. And I said, look, look what ha- just happened. She goes, nice. Anyway, so that's that. So then I left and I went to... Um, to go drop off my taxes and that was fun. Then I'm coming back and then there's four helicopters, five cop cars going across on the 405 freeway. I ended up turning off my car. I was going to be late to the radio station, which I was a little late and they were so graceful and they're, they're okay. They're giving me grace. And, Um, I sat there and sat there and, and my son calls me and he goes, they're going to let the guy go. And I went, what are you, are you kidding me? They're going to let the guy go. And he goes, yeah, because, um, they don't have enough evidence to keep in mind. That's crazy. What are you talking about? There's purses in the guy's car. And so then I I hung up with him. And then 10 minutes later, I, well, actually 30 minutes later, I get to, uh, KKLA and he calls me. He goes, do you have a minute? I said, yeah, a minute. He goes, he goes, guess what happened? I said, "What?" He goes. Well, one of the policemen saw a a smog certificate, and he asked for the smog certificate, and the smog certificate for the car was from Utah. He called the number on the smog thing, and the number of the owner on the smog certificate, they called that number, and the lady said, my car was stolen two days ago. I just got chills. I went, oh my gosh, we found a stolen car? Are you kidding? And this is all my son, Tyson, who's on our radio show for KKLA. He's the one that did all of this and everything in between doing two jobs today because we had a guy that called out sick. So a pretty good day, I think. Pretty good day. And I'm sure the people that their purses got stolen are going to be very thankful uh, about all this. So anyway, what a neat story that is. And wow, that was just for today. And it's, you know, it's not very late in the day. So it was pretty fun. So uh, I would say that my son is a servant. You know, he's looking for ways of helping other people. That's just part of his nature. And I'm very proud of him. He's, um, you know, he's just he's just a detective. What can I say? He's just a total detective. So um, servant, a person who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house on domestic duties or as a personal attendant. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that's one part. I think every every one of us should be a servant. I think we all should serve one another. And, uh, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, what exactly, how would you define that? I mean, how do you define servanthood, okay? Um, servant, the word servant in the Bible, guess how many times servant comes up in the Bible? I I remember looking up fear not, and I've said this repeatedly because we all have fears, right? Fear not comes up 365 times a day. Uh, uh, 365 times in the Bible. And that's one for every day, right? Don't we need to remind ourselves daily, fear not? Yes. Well, here's one, 767 times. So do you think we need to be reminded that we're supposed to be servants? You know, we're supposed to serve one another. Isaiah 61:12, and then we're going to go to break. The year of the Lord's favor, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. There's a lot of mourning going on right now. Even in my life, there's a lot of mourning. And, uh, you know, it's just that God is there and he's there to be with us through whatever uh, we need him to be there with us for. So... I hope this has been great for the first half of this show. And we will be back with more of the Sue Free Show right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E. now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E. cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. E. cola 877-332-BUGS, termitelady.com. What would
0: you do if your two-year-old child simply stopped breathing? The day businesswoman and author Sue Freeze discovered her son had developed life-threatening asthma, her life changed forever, sending her on a path of learning, discovery, and environmental activism. Sue's book, Learning to Breathe, chronicles her amazing life-and-death battle for her son Tyson's life, a how-to manual for parents of children with asthma. Suefreeze.com. You're listening to the Sue Freeze Show: The Pursuit of Passion, Purpose, and Connection. And here again is Sue Freeze.
1: Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control Services, for sponsoring this show. And you know, we've been on this show for uh, over 11 years, and and I just find that where did the time go? Where did that time go? I've got a daughter who has a one-year, one-month, maybe almost two months, and one on the way. She says she's six months now. I'm like, where did that time go? So it's just crazy how fast things are moving. But, you know, we just had this slow-mo uh, a year, you know, this this whole time. It's like it's like we were in slow motion because it just, there wasn't a lot of action going on. It was very slow. But it was a time of retrospect, wasn't it? We, we could look at what was going on in our life and how things were going and what we took for granted? What did we take for granted? So much did we take for granted, at least me. I did. I took things for granted, even though I thought I was really like aware and thankful and and grateful for everything. I found that even I worked every day. E.C.O.L.A. is an essential company. um, But I still, there was like dancing. I haven't danced in a year, over a year. And all the dancers, you know, it's like, man, what do you do? What do you do with all that that you're used to having so much physical, and then you don't have it. It's pretty crazy, and the gyms closing, and the restaurants, you know, going out and just eating a meal. Pretty crazy, but I'm looking forward, I know as you are, for things to get back to somewhat normal. But thank you, Ecola, Termite and Pest Control, for sponsoring the show. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, I'd love to talk to you. And I can help you. I really can. This show is syndicated. I know, right? And it goes from San Diego all the way up to San Luis Obispo. And with the Internet, it's all over the world. I have people in France, and I have people in Italy, and I have people all over the place that are listening to this show and even in prison. Hi, Randy. Hope you're doing well. Still need the name of your daughter, and I'm praying for her. Pictures up on my mirror. So <clears throat> with all that being said, I just want to say that I just i can't even believe it, really. I can't. Pinch me. You know, don't pinch me. Don't wake me up. So assist is better than resisting, unless it's you're resisting the devil. I just am saying. So how can you help? How can you be a servant? Daily Hope with Rick Warren. And uh, I'm going to talk about that today. So each one of us needs uh, to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Is that assisting? Is that serving? Yes, it is. How can I help? If you're driving down the freeway and get a flat tire and the president of the United States drives by, nobody expects him to stop and help you replace a tire. He's too important to deal with your problems, but that's not kingdom values. That's worldly values. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all. The more you give of yourself and serve other people, the greater you are in God's kingdom. Sometimes it's as simple as a phone call and checking in, isn't it? What does it mean to love like Jesus? Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, How can I help? That's Romans 15, 2. Look for how Jesus may be in your life, disguised as a hurting person. He may be at the water cooler on Monday morning. He may be at the soccer game. He or she may be the person behind you in the grocery store line. He or she may be the most unlovable person you know who is carrying a deep, deep, deep hurt. If you want to serve Jesus, then start by showing up for the hurting people around you. That is really hitting home, and it's very personal and and real close to home for me. Um, My healthy boundary says back up, back off, you know, um, protect yourself. And then this, this right here is saying, no, this person's needing you. It, he's, he's really needing you right now. And so to back up and give space is really not the best thing to do. And that's just what the Lord just spoke to me by reading that. Romans twelve thirteen says, When God's children are in need, you be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. There are many people in your church, neighborhood, and even family who are single moms working to put food on the table, widows who are lonely in their empty houses, students who are overwhelmed by life in a pandemic. I want to say endemic right now. I want to say endemic, not pandemic, but (laughs) endemic. How can you love them like Jesus today? How to lessen your friend's pain. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears. When they're down, Romans 12, 15. There's something interesting about pain and joy. Whenever you share a joy, it gets doubled. But it's the opposite with pain. When you share a pain, it's halved. So when your friends are going through a crisis, they need you to help carry the load and thus lessen the pain. Sharing your friend's pain is not the same as sympathy. Sympathy says, oh, I'm sorry you hurt. You know, I really don't like it when people say that to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I don't know what to say to that. I just kind of, I don't know. I don't even feel like it's like real, even though they, they could be sorry. I, I don't know. I just, I, it doesn't touch me in a in a way that's, uh feels better. It feels worse, actually. And that's just me. People don't need your sympathy. They need your empathy. Empathy says, I hurt with you. Did you hear that? I'm hurting with you. Man, when I, just saying that, My heart kind of opens up a little bit and and allows something to come in. Whereas, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, to me, it's just so different. Uh, Sympathy stands at a distance. Empathy draws close. That's exactly better words. (laughs) I was trying to describe that, and that was much better said than the way I was trying to describe it. The ultimate form of love is compassion. Compassion says, I'll do anything I can to stop your hurt. When you read the Bible, you'll find that Jesus was repeatedly moved with compassion. He shared in people's hurt. And to stop others' hurt, he was willing to do whatever he could, including going to the cross. That's right. He was willing to die to stop your hurt. That's compassion. The Bible says in Romans 12:15, Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. It's a lot easier to laugh with your happy friends, isn't it? It's just a lot easier. But I have to tell you, I mean, joy is great, and it really, there's a time for laughter. And I love laughing with my family and friends. But, you know, when I I look back at when I was going through struggles and trials and tribulations and having somebody that would really listen and be there and kind of take a little bit of the burden, because sometimes we just need to hear what we're saying to really get it. And I would say there's so much in that. There's one individual, I just talked to this, this man right before I came on the show about getting vaccined, and his name's Steve, and he's one of those that, you know, if he says, how are you, it's not a surface, hey, how are you? It's, how are you? You know, it's just, you, you can tell a difference. And he really, truly cares. He cares about so many people, and it, everybody's touched by his warmth and his kindness and his caring. And uh, I've learned a lot from him, but I'm still learning from him. What do friends do for each other? They show up. And when they show up and find their friend is sad, sometimes they sit and cry with that friend. They weep with those who weep. Friends don't give pious platitudes. They don't give advice when someone isn't ready for it. They don't try to talk a friend out of their pain. They don't promise everything will be okay We don't know it's going to be okay, do we? They just show up and hurt with their friend. And in doing so, they lessen the pain and show the compassion of Christ. Eight blessings we get from serving Veronica Sexton. I just want to take a deep breath because I feel like the last line on the last one was, they just show up. They just show up. Ask yourself, are you the kind of friend that shows up? I know it's not easy sometimes, and we've all got our busy schedules, and we've all got other things that we could do, but if you really want to be a friend, or a good mom, or a good sister, good whatever, you need to show up. I, I, I know in another show I said, the best present you can give is your presence. And I learned that when my children were young and I was working, I, I really had a lot of burden on me because I had a big financial net that I was trying to accommodate, which was cola. I purchased it in 2000. in two thousand, And, you know, my son was graduating high school and my daughter was in a sophomore. And that year was the biggest year for me to, you know, change my focus because I knew if I didn't make it happen – it was not going to be good. But there was sacrifice in that, sacrifice of my daughter, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. You know, my son was driving, and he could drive my daughter now to school. And so because she had a way to school, I missed out on that morning drive to class or to, to her, her school. And I was giving her rides to school since she was in kindergarten. I took her to school every day. I picked her up every day until 10th grade when I got this company. And, you know, if I, if I could go back, I, would I change anything? I don't know. With what I know now, maybe. There might have been things that I did different in that regard. I, I'd like to think that, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. But I think maybe I might have. In that regard, because parents, the best thing you can give your children is your presence. And it's not as, you know, it's it's presence with a C. You know, we need to be present. We need to be there. Okay, that quality time, no matter what love language your child speaks and needs to hear, um, quality time is so important. Words are important. Words of affirmation are important. Physical touch, I can remember um, some counselors saying that your children need skin touch. And that's not a bad thing. It's in a good way. But you know, just touching their face, giving them a kiss, giving them a hug, just touch. They need that touch. So someone needed to hear that, and that's parenting. And um, so once I heard that that the kids need skin touch, I made a, a change in how I did things, and I I made sure that I physically was touching them in loving, kind ways. And I always was affirming. I think that that was always a given, but. Quality time, I was great until I got this company and I had to shift gears or I was going to fail. And I didn't want to fail. I'm a winner. But there was sacrifice in that, in that win. Anyway, I don't even know why I said all that, but I did. My daughter just uh, had a birthday on Sunday. And oh, I don't want to cry. But on Facebook, she just said, thank you, Mom. Because now that she's had a baby, she understands. A lot more about the sacrifice of a mother. And she understands so much more about the love that comes from the sacrifice. And when you think about, and you think about God giving Jesus to us in our, our place, he sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for us. And it's, you know, it's so much even more and grander than a mother to their child. It was God with Jesus And it's just uh, amazing when you think about that. Eight blessings we get from serving Veronica Sexton. We all want our lives to matter. It's the reason we do the things we do. We chase promotions and leadership positions because we want to make a difference. We encourage our kids to go to college, get a good job, and make lots of money in hopes that they, too, will make a difference. There's nothing wrong with wealth or influence, but those things alone won't change the world, and they aren't what we were made for. I would just say on that, you know, people will say that, uh, you know, money, about money, and I say, you know, what's wrong with making money? Uh, It's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money because my feeling is the more money I make, the more people I can help. And so, you know, I I think that's being a good steward. And it's doing better with my talents. If, if God gives me more talents and more responsibilities, then it's up to me to multiply those so that I can multiply my my gifts and my serving ability. And so our mindset sometimes can get us, you know, in a, in a funk to where we can't really focus um, correctly. And I think God wants us to multiply. I think God wants us to... Um, you know, create an abundance if we can, you know, if if I can feed more people by doing this versus that, then I don't think God would look down on me for that. So I'm just saying, yes, it's, it's not all about going to college. I only have an AA. Okay. So it's not all about going to college, but it's, it's, you know, um, just looking for a need and filling it. It's looking for a need and filling it. And it's what you're going to do with what you have. What are you going to do with what you have? You know, Moses, he has staff and he uses staff. That's what he used because that's what he had. We were made to build the church, Ephesians 4, 11, 13. God made each one of you, uh, one of you with unique talents, personalities, and skill sets. And when we ask Jesus into our lives, we're given at least one spiritual gift. We get the most joy And make the biggest difference when we use our God-given talents, gifts, and abilities to build the church. I totally agree with that. Serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 compares the church to the human body. Just like our bodies are made up of many parts. Serving specific functions, the church is made up of people with different skills and abilities. Alone, these pieces aren't very useful, but together we create something beautiful workplace too, you know I have to look at someone that's better at something that I'm not good at someone that's better than me or better 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 because that's the only way we're going to get better as a team you're only as strong as your weakest link I learned that in sports you're only as strong as your weakest link that goes for work too so whoever your weakest link is are they in the right position Have they not been taught correctly, or is it their attitude that needs an adjustment? Is it adjustable? If it's not, then maybe it's not the right fit. But these are all things that you have to think about when you're running a business and you're trying to do the most with what God has given you. I want to serve many people. And if I have the right people on my bus, if I have the right people in my company, we're going to serve more people. And we're going to multiply our customers, and we're going to be able to help more people. Isn't that a good thing? I think it's a great thing. Serving allows us to experience miracles. In John 2, Jesus was at a wedding, and the couple was running out of wine for its guests. He tells the servants to fill several big jars to the brim. When they served the water to the guests, it was wine. The guests never knew what happened. The servants were the ones who witnessed the miracle. The same is true for us when we serve. I believe that was the first miracle that that, uh, Jesus did was turn the water into wine, I believe it was the first one. Serving allows us to experience a joy and peace that comes from obedience. I love this. First Peter fourteen eleven says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Serving is a form of worship, a way to express gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. And to share the love and grace we've been given. I have to memorize that scripture. That was 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. I have to circle that on a pen. Um, Serving helps us to be more like Jesus. We shift our focus off of ourselves onto others through serving. It's much better to think about others than to think about ourselves. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Put thy neighbor first. We begin to see others as Jesus sees them, and we see Jesus in others. My prayer right now is, Lord, give me your eyes to see. Give me your words to speak. Give me your feet. Give me your steps. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want you to help me hear what you want me to hear. Give me ears to hear, your ears. Give me your mouth. Give me, give me, give me, because I want to be more like you. Serving surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. When we're working side by side with other people, a bond inevitably inevitably forms. This was part of God's plan for how the church is supposed to work. That's why Hebrews 10, 24, 25 instructs us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another, not giving up meeting together. We're not supposed to give that up, and we did, didn't we? During this time, we gave it up, and we're not supposed to do that. We need to meet with each other. Serving increases our faith. As we move out of our comfort zones, God increases our faith by revealing new potential in ourselves and in his church. When we see what he can do when his power is at work within us, we begin looking for the doors. He's opening rather than pushing our way through the ones he's closed. Isn't that good? You know, sometimes we're going through life and we think this is the way we want to go and this is what we're supposed to do and whatever, and then the door closes. And we're going, whoa, well, what happened? What happened? And then we sit back and go, hmm, why did that close? And then all of a sudden, with patience and discernment, another door opens. And you realize that God had something to do with that. And it's pretty amazing when it happens. Encouragement and healing go hand in hand. As we encourage others and they find healing, we're encouraged. It's the reason so many people who go on mission trips say they come back feeling like they got more than they gave. That's so true. Studies have shown that volunteering is so good for the mind and body that it can ease symptoms of stress and depression. Tapping into our gifts and passions builds self-confidence, energy, and strength. Serving others can also be the best distraction from our own worries. We, can, we make all sorts of rational explanations for not serving. I don't even know if I need to say these because we all have our own, you know, um, things that we're either hearing because somebody doesn't want to serve or things that maybe we're using if we can't. Um, I don't have time. I don't know what I would do. I don't have any special skills to contribute. They don't need me. But the reality is the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. That's so good. Have you been called? Don't ask yourself if you're equipped. Have you been called? Are you, are you listening? Are you going to take action? God used men and women with similar doubts to change the course of history Moses didn't think he was a leader or speaker, but God worked through Moses to bring Israel out of slavery. David was the youngest and therefore most insignificant of all his brothers. But God worked through David to defeat a giant and eventually made him a king. Paul used to kill Christians before he met Jesus, but he went on to become one of the most highly regarded and prolific writers, church planters in history. God doesn't just want to work through you. He wants to work in you. That's really good, isn't it? That is really, really, really good. So I have a few other things here, and uh, let's see. Uh, mixed up, mixed up, mixed up. I just circled some things that were written on this on this thing. It's five ways to work as unto the Lord. You have to know that God has a reason and a purpose for everything in your life. Do you believe that? God loves his children so much that he's perfectly fine with keeping possibly keeping us in an industry we dislike so that we could have a conversation that guided one of his kids back to home. Having that perspective kind of makes you feel silly when you catch yourself complaining. So I'm gonna end this show, and I'm gonna end this show with some thoughts. And the thoughts are, is for you to ask yourself, are you using your passion? Are you using the gifts? That you have the things that come easy to you. Are you using those things for God's glory? Uh, that's what He wants us to do. He He puts these. He He puts them in us. He created us, right? He created us for a reason. He created us for a purpose, and it's up to each and every one of us to use those. Now, if if somebody would have said when I was 18 years old that I was going to be a radio show host, I would have said you're nuts. Okay. I never thought of me as a SAG actress, but that happened. Um, I danced all the time, but I had no idea I was going to be on TV and win a car and all of that because God has his own plan and everything works out for his good. So be thinking about that. Be a blessing to someone each and every day. And please be assist, be an assistant and serve. God bless you. Bye for now.